0: say the peaceful scene will probably last at least for a couple of days until the conclusion of the talks between the government and the students.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
2: Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm your host, Renita Malhotra Hora. Well, U.S. stocks finish lower as investors are concerned about company earnings. Hewlett-Packard has confirmed its intention to split into two, and the World Bank has predicted a deeper slowdown in China's economy. Today, we'll talk about the economic impact of the pro-democracy movement's shutdown of Admiralty and other parts of the city, and the fallout that this is having on the broader economy. We'll be joined by Cedric Alexandra, the founder of Bee's Nest Pure Honey, and R.J. Asher of Titan. Pai Pais, who both say that their businesses are feeling the pinch. Economist Andy Kwan of the ACE Center for Business and Economic Research will join the discussion to help sort out the true economic cost as the protests stretch into its second week. And our guest host this morning is Andrew Sullivan. Good morning, Andrew. So first let's take a look at the top stories today. Uh, markets US stocks finished modestly lower as uh, investor caution returned to the market ahead of unofficial the unofficial kickoff of third quarter company earnings reports. The Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 17 pound uh, excuse me 17 points to close at 16,991. The S&P 500 dipped over just uh, just over a tenth of a percent to close at 1,964, while the Nasdaq suffered deeper losses, falling 20 points or half a percent to 4,454. European stocks uh, did slightly better. The FTSE 100 added half a percent to 6,563. The French CAC 40 added nearly one-tenth of a percent to close at 4,286. And the DAX added 15 points to close at 9,209. The Nikkei was up 1%. The Hang Seng Index also gained 1% to close at 23,315. Markets in China, Singapore, Malaysia, India and Indonesia were closed for a public holiday. The euro is trading at $1.26. The euro yen is at 108 and the pound is at 12 12 Hong Kong dollars and 46 cents. Brent crude oil is currently at $92 and gold is currently at 1,206 ounces per dollar. Hewlett-Packard. Hewlett-Packard has confirmed its intention to split into two companies, separating its printing and personal computer businesses from its corporate hardware and service operations. The companies will now be known as HP Inc., and Hewlett-Packard Enterprises, respectively. And shareholders will be given a stake in both. But is it an admission that HP's turnaround hasn't succeeded? Here's Chief of HP, Meg Whitman. Today is only possible because the turnaround has succeeded. Think
3: about what we have accomplished over the last three years, a rebuilt balance sheet, an innovation pipeline that is significantly improved over three years ago, I would argue best in class in the industry now, an inspired workforce, a new leadership team, renewed confidence of our partners, our customers, frankly, our shareholders as well. But we had to gather ourselves as one HP but now we're in the position to take advantage of what's going on in the marketplace and position these two companies for growth. They they go after quite different market segments, and we now have the opportunity to align rewards and results, to respond to customer needs faster with these two big companies. So we're really excited about this. I think it's going to be better offerings for customers and partners, career opportunities for employees, and we believe it will create real shareholder value.
2: And the Walt Disney Company has come to the rescue of its loss-making subsidiary, Euro Disney, with a 1 billion euro package, uh, refinancing package. This could actually give the US group total control over Europe's biggest tourist attraction. From Paris, here is the BBC's Lucy Williamson. Just three months ago, Disneyland Paris unveiled
1: its latest big investment, an ambitious new ride based on the animated adventures of a Parisian rat.
4: Ratatouille, l'attraction en exclusivité à Disneyland Paris.
1: But behind the cheery adverts, financial problems at the theme park have continued. And despite attracting twice as many visitors as the Eiffel Tower, the company is struggling to pay its bills. The new package includes a cash injection from the parent company of more than $500 million, with another $750 million of outstanding debt converted to equity. Euro Disney executives have blamed the European economy for their latest troubles, but the company has faced repeated problems since opening in 1992, with some analysts saying the business model isn't working.
2: And the World Bank has predicted a deeper slowdown in China's economy over the next three years as the country ta- tackles structural reforms. It's cut its growth estimate from 7.6% to 74 for this year. That's still in line with Beijing's official annual growth target of around 7.5%. But the bank is expecting to slow growth, uh, expecting the country will slow growth uh, further in 2015 to 7.2 percent and then to 7.1 percent the following year. This is from a previous forecast of 7.5 percent for both of those years. The bank's chief economist says that the protests in Hong Kong could hurt the city's economy as well as that of China, but the impact will depend on how long the uncertainty lasts. Andrew, um, lots going on, of course, this morning and uh, lots of, you know, still uncertainty, uh, you know, about the protests, but it seems to be waning, you know, at least in the minds of most people who are sort of out there and on their way to work. What do you make of news flow this morning?
5: Well, as I said, I think earlier the, uh, you know, the, this has really been a political action rather than uh, something directed at the stock market specifically. Uh, and obviously a lot of the Hang Seng Index companies are Chinese companies. You know, they're, not <clears throat> they're not based here in Hong Kong. Uh, the protest here isn't going to affect uh, how many people use China Mobile's services in China. So it's had a, had a knee-jerk reaction, but I think it's recovered from that. And now people are back to uh, looking at the global economy and things that are happening there.
2: Now, uh, yesterday on our show, Andrew Wong uh, said, um, "Alex Wong, excuse me, said that um, the recovery that we're seeing in the Hang Seng is not necessarily an across-the-board recovery, uh, but we're seeing an uptick in the numbers because people are buying into the Chinese stocks that are listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange." What do you think?
5: Well, I think we've obviously got the, the Hong Kong Shanghai. Et- direct coming through so people are positioning themselves ahead of that but also I mean people are taking the opportunity certainly uh, last week when we saw a big sell down in the Chinese names that that, that actually gave a very good entry point for a lot of those numbers uh, and, and people are taking advantage of that certainly the, the larger institutions will have used that opportunity uh, having been possibly underway to not like to the market not liking buying the market above 23,000 so any opportunity to buy good blue chip stocks below that level Uh, was an opportunity for them.
2: So what should the lay investor be doing at this point? You know, in times like this, the the old mantra is always, you know, buy when stocks are low, sell them when they're high. But I guess people don't know, are they going to go lower? There's been this, you know, modest recovery, you know, in the last couple of days. What's going to happen and what should they be doing with their investments?
5: Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to picking good stocks that you know rather than just chasing momentum. You know, it's a matter of studying the stocks, understanding the management, understanding the business that they're involved in, and that's crucial because obviously then you can separate the, uh, the news flow that actually affects your company from news flow that's going to have no impact on the companies that you like. Uh, and then if the whole market sells down on a knee-jerk reaction, then you can take advantage.
2: So should we be waiting for another dip to... Uh to buy further?
5: Well, I think at the moment this week is is especially interesting. Obviously, we've got the BOJ today, which is going to have a large impact. We have China still on holiday, but reopening tomorrow with PMI details coming through. We've got US investors starting to look again at company earnings. And that, again, is something that will be crucial for a lot of the manufacturing in China. Uh, And we have the FOMC minutes, which, again, will have a big impact on uh, what people expect as far as interest rates goes. So I would say that certainly on days like today, I mean, I think there's going to be limited upside but again you know if certain stocks get sold down for uh, you know uh, you know. Almost uh, irrelevant reasons or knee-jerk reactions, then uh, cautious buying rather than necessarily, uh, you know, staking the house on the uh, on the investment. But cautious buying on on set levels is is the right way to go in this market.
2: Okay, a look at a few more numbers as markets open this morning. The Nikkei is down four-tenth of a percent to fifteen thousand eight hundred and twenty-four. Australia's ASX index is also down six-tenth of a percent to five thousand two hundred fifty-nine, and Sol's Kospi up half a percent to one. US-China trade relations. Now, this is a topic of great interest for American companies who want to gain access to companies in greater China. But how can American companies gain export opportunities to the mainland when currently imports clearly outweigh exports? Stephen Selig, who is the Undersecretary for International Trade at the US Department of Commerce, says the situation actually looks good.
6: China is, in fact, our third largest export market already, uh, behind only Mexico and Canada. Last year, um, we exported over $122 billion worth of goods to China, which was an all-time record and has grown every year for the past 20. So clearly, there's still a lot of room to grow, um, but we've made a lot of progress.
2: But if American companies continue to be at a competitive disadvantage because of the trade deficit with China, then how can that help American people keep their jobs?
6: We think the way to address the trade imbalance is to help grow exports, not to limit imports. And China clearly has some complexities and some barriers, and that's especially acute for small and medium-sized companies, which we are, which we are here to help focus on tomorrow. Uh, we have commercial trade um, uh, representatives from a number of our offices uh, in China that are here to help them access what can be quite a difficult market.
2: Okay, the time is now 8.14 a.m., and we'll be back to look at more about the economic impact of the protests right after this message.
5: Building management companies are responsible for implementing mosquito preventive measures in the public areas of buildings. Inspections must be carried out at least weekly. To prevent mosquitoes breeding in stagnant water, dispose of refuse properly. Cover water tanks tightly. Puncture anti-bump tires in car parks And clear drains Prevent Japanese encephalitis and dengue fever Act now
2: Well, compared to what happens elsewhere in the world, analysts are saying that the political protests here in Hong Kong felt like a weekend art fair. But what are the damages? Chris Oliver has the story.
3: Estimates on the economic cost of the Occupy movement vary widely. Uh, HKUST economist Francis Loy has pegged the tab at around 350 billion Hong Kong dollars. That's around $50,000 for each Hong Kong resident, and it's based on changes in the financial markets. Uh, UBS has a bit of a softer estimate. They believe it could be around $4 billion, and that's if the protests drag on for about a month. This is a result of a likely drop in tourist spending, which would drag down citywide retail sales by around 11% in October. Uh, we're joined now in the program by Andy Kwan. He's director of the ACE Center for Business and Economic Research. Good morning, Andy.
2: Okay, uh, maybe, maybe we dropped him. <laughs> maybe he dropped off by mistake. And, Andy, are you there? Yeah, I
3: I can hear something there. Is Andy there?
2: Okay, well, let's go to our next uh, panel of guests. Uh, Despite the figures that have come through, you know, from uh, UBS and other analysts, local businesses might actually disagree. Many of them say that they've been affected by the protests, especially retail shops in Causeway Bay and Mong Kok. One shop owner told Citizens Report that the transactions of his shop have been reduced by half since Occupy Central started. And in Yuanlong, which is located in the New Territories, quite remote from the protest sites, a shopkeeper of a jewelry shop said that since Occupy Central broke out, the number of mainland Chinese tourists has dropped significantly and the shop's business has been affected. We're now joined by Cedric Alexandra, who owns Bees Nest Pure Honey, and R.J. Asher, who owns Tai Tai Pipe to understand their specific experiences. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, let's see if we can begin with Cedric. Cedric, tell us a little bit about your business and how it's been affected.
7: Well, personally, uh, our business has been affected, of course, uh, by, by the protest uh, as we, we are planning to have a lot of direct sales, di- direct markets in Central Area and Coastal Bay Area during this period. Uh, We are not the most affected people, as we don't have shop directly on the streets with high rents to pay. But still, we can feel it already, and uh,
4: we have to see in the future what's coming on.
2: And uh, how about you, RJ? Yeah,
4: For us, it's a little different. We do have two shops, and unfortunately, our two shops are right in the heart of the protesting. So we've seen a downfall, because our customer base is not... Uh, you know more local it 's actually more of the uh, middle class upper class and expat population who aren 't coming to those areas you know to walk the streets
2: now um r g your shop one of your shops is, is right there in Admiralty in pacific place, and uh, I mean that seems although although the streets are blocked out, there are a lot of people uh, who have easy access to pacific place so are you saying that regular people are not going
4: it 's not that regular people aren 't going but the, I think for us our customer base isn 't necessarily approaching there for, especially on the weekends, where we saw sales for the weekends drop significantly for you know, Saturday and Sunday, where they usually are primary days of, of sales, um, especially in, in Great, which is in Pacific Place Mall. For us, we get a huge uptick on Saturday and Sunday.
2: So what were your sales like, for example, on Saturday Sunday?
4: <laughs> we, we dropped um, anywhere between 75 and 95%.
2: 75 to 90, shops. Wow, okay, that's yeah. specific. Now, um, Cedric, your situation is a little bit different because your, your shop is in Shengwan, but you have a farm elsewhere, so th- there's, there's a logistical nightmare happening with you, is, is that right?
7: Yeah, correct, <clears throat> and uh, especially we just ex- expanded our farm now, getting more BIs, and it has been a real hassle to travel, to go to Stanley area and Titan area uh, by the transportation. It takes us hours to join our farm and to go over there.
2: Um, do you expect that things will change this week? Have things changed since yesterday? They seem to be calmer on the streets.
7: Uh, I can feel also that there is some changes and things uh, are getting a bit better right now. And we really hope it can get better as fast as possible to uh, to
4: get the business going on.
2: What about you, RJ? Do you, do you agree with that?
4: Yeah, I think you know, definitely. The streets are in the, in the area that you know we're located are a little um, less havoc. But you know, a good thing for us is our wholesale business because they are not in this area are seeing an uptick because those areas are actually, um, I guess, picking up the business that we aren't picking up in Admiralty in, uh, in and Chai.
2: So the disruption to your businesses then, is it a function of calm versus tension? Or is it the fact that the streets are actually closed out and there's no access? I'm, I'm a little confused.
4: <laughs> yeah, for us, I think it's really the second point you know, in terms of the access. You know, it isn't as easy to get there, and we know when we do, when my delivery guys do the deliveries to Admiralty and to Wan Chai, for them to leave the area, it's up to an hour, an hour and a half, just to get out of the location. So that's the biggest area is that people are. You know, it's not an easy access where it used to be very easy to get in and out. It's now taking more time to get in as as well as getting out.
2: Andrew, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. I mean, as I've been sort of walking around certainly the Admiralty sites, Harcourt Road, I mean, a lot of the smaller shops, the Oliver Super Sandwiches and the McDonald's, seem to be booming. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think
5: think the the change comes is is actually getting into uh, Pacific Place has been more difficult because you can't come straight down Queensway into it. You can only come really into it from Queen's Road East. And there was until yesterday, I think the only way out of it was, again, to go back down Queen's Road East or Hennessy Road. So you just haven't seen the number of people. People driving there uh, to do their shopping, uh, driving there to go and visit the mall, uh, and certainly the number of car parking spaces there has been uh, significantly, uh, the vacant ones significantly higher than you would generally see it. So that's, that's been a big issue. And is, as, as I saying, uh, the fact that people can't go straight down through Central means that they have been using Kennedy Road or Aberdeen Tunnel. Uh, all of that adds time. And in, in Hong Kong, People aren't very patient, I'm afraid. So a lot of people will go to alternative locations.
2: Now, what do you make of uh, businesses that are quite uh, distant from the area, such as the example of the jewellery shop owner in Yunlong, who is still very affected by everything that's going on?
5: Yes, I mean I think you know, I think we have you know, we've had China banning tour groups. Um, there has been real, really very little coverage, though, of the protests and the the, you know, the extent of the protests in China. They've obviously been doing their best to actually, uh, you know draw a line over that so that people don't know what's going on in Hong Kong. Um, And so I suspect that actually, you know, what we're seeing here is also a development of the trend that we've seen over the last 12 months. You know, we had the locust outcry, we've seen more retail uh, building up in Macau, so we've had less reason for people to come to Hong Kong to spend their money. Uh, In a lot of cases, we've seen over the last 12 months where Chinese visitors, because they can get better access to, to Paris, would prefer to go there to buy their Chanel than to come to Hong Kong. So Hong Kong has really got to reposition itself if it really wants to continue to be a tourist centre.
2: Okay, I think this is a good time to bring in our guest from Ace Business and Economics Research. Uh, Chris? Uh,
3: Yes, uh, so Andy Kwan uh, from the ACE uh, uh, Centre for uh, Business and Economic Research. Uh, Francis Loy's estimates were uh, really mind-boggling, 350 billion Hong Kong dollars. What do you make of that?
0: Well, I think it's it's too big. Because when you look at the uh, actual GDP of Hong Kong last year, it's only $2.1 trillion. So the economic loss of $350 billion represents 17% of GDP. And if you look at the the value of tourism last year, it's about uh, uh, $100 billion. So his estimate is only uh, becomes uh, 3.5 times of the, the total value of last year, January, which generated by the tourism. So uh, to me, it's just unthinkable.
1: <laughs>
3: so what,
0: what, it's too large.
3: When, when you look at the situation, what do you see as a more realistic estimate?
0: Uh, usually when we look at the, uh, the, the impact, uh, this kind of like students' uh, movement or student strife, um, this definitely creates a political in- instability and which ultimately ultimately uh, generates uncertainty and then uh, it works for the channels. Two channels basically affect uh, investment uh, and the second channel is affect uh, the productivity. But the productivity side is more on the longer term. It really depends on how long is the student's movement. But uh, the immediate impact will be on the uh, tourism such as, uh, which includes, like, uh, the uh, re- retail, uh, retail sales, accommodation, food and beverages, and uh, transportation services. So... Uh According to our estimates, i think the, for the first week uh, the economic loss is, is about like one billion to two billion dollars it works uh, I, I we base on uh, we base estimates uh, based on the uh, basically look at the tourism the performance of tourism the transportation industry so I think this number is more uh, real, realistic
2: now Andrew, I think you had uh, some thoughts on sort of the positive aspects uh, versus the negative. Do you want to chime in here?
5: Yeah, I'm just wondering that, you know, if we see a radical change in uh, the the political situation in Hong Kong, whether that would be a, a positive benefit for Hong Kong going forward. Me? Uh, for me?
0: Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, like, uh, right now, if, you, if we look at the... Uh the entire situation it has been building up for the past two years. It's not. It's not. It's more than about the political reform. It's more, It has to be. It has to do do with the the, the government, how the government uh the uh managed economy and uh, regarding the uh, any mess controversial policies. Now I think the student the, the student protest uh has sent a very strong signal to the central government. Something has to be changed. Okay. I think if the Central government listens to the students uh, to a degree, and uh, try to change uh, some fundamental uh, issues in Hong Kong, like uh, the way uh, the, the the HK government uh, uh, manages the the, the uh, puts out the major policy, and uh, and also. M- Listen more to the people, not listen to uh, one group of people, listen to all people. I think uh, we'll have
2: a bad future. Cedric, do you think that a political change in Hong Kong will directly impact your business?
7: Yeah, I'm sure, but we don't know in which way until it <laughs> happens, actually. So, uh, yeah, of course, every political change will affect every business in Hong Kong. Uh, we just hope that the things happen smoothly and, uh, and can be fine for
4: everyone.
2: What are the changes that we could see in your business, if any, RJ?
4: You know, for us, we're a very westernized company, so you know our product is a western product. So I think uh, depending on where it goes, um, you know, if it changes to one direction, expansion more north. If it if it change, go another, another direction, you know, stay here in Hong Kong and, and grow in Hong Kong. So I think time will tell, as everyone's saying, we we don't know how it's going to impact us directly, but you know it will impact in one way or another.
2: Are you still worried?
4: No, not as no, I'm not that worried. Not as of just, yesterday, <laughs> no, I just yeah, you know, we're just looking for you know hopefully return back to normal normalcy and, and you know growth and, and maintaining our growth of what we're going. That's what we're looking for,
3: Professor Kwan. Just when yes. there's intangibles in Hong Kong such as a wide wealth gap uh, and a very heavy uh, uh, you know uh, problems with uh, distribution of wealth, so. How these are intangibles. As an economist, how do you measure the potential if that was to change or be more equitably distributed? Would that actually have a positive economic benefit for Hong Kong?
0: Now, um, the wealth inequality is, uh, is a major issue, and also the poverty. Okay, the government has been trying the best to, to tackle the issue, but somehow it, uh, the the policy is always behind the curve, It's it's like uh, too late. So I think the major issue is to try to uh, the government has to uh, act like some kind of redistributor, redistributor. Try to redistribute the the wealth, or maybe build a better social welfare net. And uh, try to enhance the uh, overall competitiveness of Hong Kong. And uh, the whole thing right now, in the short term, the government has to control the try to uh, control the sentiment of Hong Kong people, Hong Kongers, because like uh, uh, I think the more than 5 percent or 6 percent of people are very much against the, uh, the the proposal made by the government uh, presented to the, to the central government last last month. And uh, I think the dialogue is very important, and uh, and the government has to express certain sincerity over the entire issue so that the Hong Kong can get back to normal as soon as possible.
3: Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, that's uh, Andy Kwan of the ACE Center for Business and Economic Research.
2: Okay, thanks, Chris. And thanks to our guests in the studio this morning, Cedric Alexander, founder of Bee's Nest Pure Honey, and R.J. Asher, owner of Tai Tai Pie Pies, and of course our guest host of the day, Andrew Sullivan. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, a quick look at the numbers uh, to see what's changed before we uh, switch gear to the next show. The Nikkei is open and down four tenths of a percent to 15,817. Australia's ASX uh, index is also down just slightly to 5,259. And Seoul's Kospi is up half a percent to 1,979. A quick look at the weather forecast for the rest of the day, it will be fine and dry during the day with a maximum temperature of around 29 degrees, moderate to fresh east to northeastly winds. The temperature right now is 25 degrees Celsius and the relative humidity is 64%. This is Money for Nothing and I'm your host Renita Malhotra Hora. Now it's time for the half hour news summary with Samantha Butler. The government
1: is set to meet student leaders of the pro-democracy civil disobedience movement by the end of the week after both sides agreed on broad principles for a series of public discussions on political reform. This emerged after a second meeting in as many nights between the Federation of Students and Government Officials at the University of Hong Kong. Undersecretary for Constitutional Affairs, Lau Gong Wah, laid out the three principles that were agreed. We
4: hope that it is not the only meeting uh, we have the dialogue with the students. And secondly, we hope that this dialogue will have a direct and with uh, mutual respect with each other during the meeting. And thirdly, if there is any consensus uh, raised in the meeting, the government will implement
5: uh, with uh, uh, the agreement uh, of both sides.
1: Roads are more congested this morning after the government reopened primary schools in Central, Western and Chai today. Kindergartens remain closed. The reopening of secondary schools yesterday caused some traffic problems. Chief Transport Officer Lee Man-ho warned that delays today would be worse.
0: Since uh, some major trunk roads on Hong Kong Island, such as Causeway uh, Road, Queensway, Harcourt Road, are still occupied, uh, and our alternative routes are not much, uh, such as uh, Long Road Road, Kennedy Road, uh, something like that. But all, all those alternative routes have reached their traffic capacity, so we expect that there will be serious traffic congestion at a number of locations. Uh, as for now, we looked at the traffic uh, in school areas, uh, such as the Bonham Road, Ten Road, uh, are very busy now, and we also looked at the uh, traffic queues uh, piling up At Kennedy Road and Queensville East, and it now affects the uh, Cross Harbor Tunnel Hong Kong exit. Uh